Welcome to the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. I-29 MUU University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. On today's episode of I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast, we're talking about heat stress in dairy cattle, the signs and symptoms of heat stress, and how heat stress can be prevented. I'm Kim Clark, University of Nebraska-Lincoln Dairy Educator, and I'm joined by Jim Salfer, the University of Minnesota Regional Dairy Educator, and Fred Hall, Northwest Iowa Dairy Extension Specialist. It's that time of the season, you know, some of the things we have to to be thinking about. But I'm intrigued with uh, Jeff Dahl's research that a heat-stressed dry cow is a stressed calf who never reaches her genetic potential. Yeah, no, you're right. And I really like the concept of we've got to watch our dry cows from being heat stressed. And then calves, if they're heat stressed, they've got a 20% more nutrition requirement. They get in a deficit and the things that that can cause. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. And they have a harder time keeping average daily gain during the summer, actually, than the winter. We think of cold stress. Now they feed more milk and they're in a They're in individual pens, they're in a barn, but it's not a warm barn, but they struggle a lot more with summer average daily gain because these calves quit eating just like cows do. Yep. Fred, you said heat stress in dry cows produces calves that never reach their full potential. So we know that it impacts the calves. How does it impact the dry cows with their lactation that they're just getting ready to enter? Well, found this from Jeff Dahl down at uh, Florida. Uh, Of course, that's a huge state for, for heat and humidity. And his research showed that, uh, you know, as the, the dry cows dried off and going into that uh, environment, uh, they need to uh, keep that cow cool. And he continued that by by looking at these calves out of heat-stressed cows. And right off the bat, cows that were heat-stressed had a calf that was on average 12 pounds lighter uh, compared to cows that were cooled. Uh, they had better immunoglobulin uh, absorption and higher weaning weight. Uh, they were taller with more lean growth. And they actually followed that out to first lactations. And uh, these heat stress calves never caught up. Uh, as uh, first lactation cows, they milked less than their counterparts in the herd that came out of cows that were cool. So, you know, this is a generational thing that if you're having calves out of heat stress cows, they're not going to get to their potential. And it's an epigenics uh, taking place. And we have to break that cycle if we want to keep our herd progressing. Yeah, I think that, you know, we've we've learned over the last couple of decades that really the next lactation starts the day you dry that cow off and 
you know, we've learned that a lot well nutritionally. Now we do a nice job of feeding these dry cows and these cold scrub cows and understand how much that affects production in the next lactation. But I think as Fred just mentioned, it's just as important to think about that from a heat stress standpoint. And I know that can be kind of tough if your cows are out in pasture, but there's a good study or a summary of studies that was done, uh, nine research studies done look at cooling dry cows. And they had from about a two pound increase in milk production and those were done in the north of the subsequent lactation up to about 11 pounds. So as Fred mentioned, it affects the calves, it affects those cows. So I think there's good reason to really be cooling those dry cows if you have not done that or haven't done it in the past. I know money's probably tight right now, but that would be a good investment if you can come up with any money. And the thing that I see is a lot of times we're starting this process too late in the season. We've got to remember that once the cow is in an environment of about 78 degrees, she's starting to show or experience some stress. That means these fans and these uh, sprinklers or water application need to be happening probably uh, when it's 85 they need to be on and working. Yeah I think it's important Uh, Fred you touched on sprinklers and fans let's not forget the maintenance especially those fan shrouds and louvers and blades there's some pretty good data that would support that dirty louvers and blades can it reduce airflow by as much as 30 to 40 percent so just because they're on doesn't mean they're as efficient as they could be and number one they don't move as much air number two they're not as energy efficient Uh, so make sure the louvers are lubricated they're clean you know some farms I know go in uh, obviously in the beginning of the year power wash all their fans off and then maybe uh, once a month if you're really aggressive or maybe once again during the summer they'll try and power wash those down just to keep as efficient as they can be. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, maintenance really is key to getting these cows started on right, started right for the beginning of the heat season and throughout the summer. We have quite a few freestall barns that have removable sidewalls and curtains that can come down. Those provide great airflow as well. So if we can take down those curtains and sidewalls, get the fans cleaned, maintained, so they can maximize their airflow, make sure the misters and waters are working. You know, we're off to a good start. With the misters, when you're doing the maintenance, it's important that we look at uh, how much water is being put out. We don't want to drench a cow. You know, that's that's not good for them either, but we just want to add enough water to them to cool them off Uh, They don't sweat. Cows don't sweat like humans do. And so some of the signs and symptoms that we look for within a heat stressed cow aren't this isn't the sweating that we might see or the redness that we might see as humans. And so uh, with the misters, we want to make sure that we apply enough water to cool them, but we don't want to drench them. That drenching also gets into the feed if the misters are over like the feed bunk. And so we don't want too much water added to the feed that can cause it to spoil, especially with the, with the high heat that we're seeing also. I think that's a good idea. Kim, how would you suggest on calves? I know you've done a lot of calf work. What are some people doing on calves uh, to keep them cool? Because they, they experience heat stress just like cows do. Yes, cows do, or calves do experience heat stress like calves. 
And as we mentioned a few minutes ago, um, how the heat stress a calf receives when they're born and, and growing really impacts their lactations. And so we want to be really careful that the calves aren't heat stressed. I remind producers or suggest to producers, if the calves are in a hut, lift the bottom of the hut up just to get some of that airflow going in. Uh, for the winter, sometimes they'll add in extra straw. You can remove some of that extra straw that you have for warmth. Uh, you still want to have a layer at the bottom of, of the hutch to um, you know, catch any water or moisture that will enter the hut, um, you know, from urine, uh, from the calves. Uh, make sure that calves have access to, to the outside. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen calves that were, you know, in a hutch that didn't always have access to the outside. They can see the outside, but we want to give them an adequate space to run and move so they can get some of those outdoor temperatures. Um, access to fresh water is really key. Uh, you want to have those calves on water from day one. If they get hot, um, they can use that water to cool themselves off. And so if you have to water two to three times a day so the water is not too hot, it's extra labor, but you're going to help the calf in the long run. Uh, so those are some of the things that I would look at with calves to help keep them cool. I think it really is important. I think we underestimate. We think these calves are small. They're non-productive. We don't monitor them every day. It's easy to see a bulk tank and how much milk production drops. And then we, of course, alarm ourselves and say, I need to do something for these cows because I'm losing income. But I think we often forget about all of our young stock that we maybe don't see. They're not out of sight, out of mind, but we don't see the production loss on those right away. And so um, we tend to maybe ignore them a little bit. But I think you covered pretty well. I think it's just important, just as a reminder, not to ignore or forget about them. I know they're calves and they don't feel as much heat stress maybe as a cow does, but they still uh, obviously are under a lot of heat stress when it gets extremely warm, especially if, I mean, hopefully the hutches are all shaded or they're in the shade or they're covered. If you don't have any shade cloth, make sure you do that. But um, I, I think it's important to at least be aware of that. Yeah, I would echo that, that, you know, especially if you're using plastic hutches, those retain a lot of heat and, you know, get some kind of shade, uh, either shade cloth or a vertical shade to protect them from that hot afternoon heat up. Uh, to, to kind of build on uh, Kim's comment about bedding, you know, Straw in the wintertime gets that nesting effect and helps the calf develop that cocoon of temperature. If we can just use wood shavings or chips in those stall calf hutches in the summer, that will prevent some of that. And then I'd go back, uh, you know, as you're feeding or doing your walkthrough of the calves, you know, there's some things that maybe are a little different than we look for in cows. You know, if they're not moving around, you know, that, that's better check and see what's going on. Watch how they breathe, kind of like panting with cows. They'll have a faster breathing rate, uh, open mouth breathing. And of course, the big one we all look for is uh, decreased feed intake. 
you know, so those ought to be kind of the, the things you're training your feeder on or whoever does the, the walkthrough and maintenance in the hutches. Keep your eye on those calves. The other thing I'd just like to comment, I think often we don't think of ourselves as heat stress like Florida or Arizona, um, but I think we've got to think differently. Our, our cows might be actually under more risk of some subclinical acidosis and or feet and leg issues than they are in those areas. Because if you think of an Arizona or a Florida, this time of year, it's hot down there and it's going to stay hot. Days and nights are going to stay hot all the way through September and October. Here what happens is we'll get a hot spell. We all know cows back off on feed. They don't eat anything. Now we're going to have two or three days of really cool nights. Well, what's going to happen then is they're going to gorge themselves It's because they're going to be really hungry. It's going to be cool. And so we've got a, probably maybe a little bit more of a risk of some of that acidosis because then our intakes go way up. They gorge themselves. They sort their feed. And so I, I think we can't, again, it's just an, let's not underestimate that heat stress is an issue here. And also we have maybe different, we might get a break in our heat, but that break in our heat might cause cows to gorge themselves a little bit. So work with your nutritionist and make sure that our diets are not able to be sorted. Make sure you've got plenty of fiber. You know, maybe a couple decades ago, we thought, well, we need to increase the starch because we need to increase the energy density of the diets. I think that's kind of changed a little bit now. Uh, we probably want some really digestible fiber in those diets to get the energy, but I don't think we want to increase the starch a lot in these diets to increase energy because of that factor. Uh, when it does cool off, our cows will tend, and you guys all know this, all the listeners know it, when it cools off, boy, the feed bunks are just slick clean. So it's really important to be thinking about that metabolically, how that might be affecting our cows and, and their long-term health, especially their foot health. I want to shift gears a little bit. We've talked about the calves. We've talked about the dry cows. Um, we just mentioned the lactating cows and, and feeding times and subclinical acidosis. Related to lactating cows, do we notice, do you guys notice a change in somatic cell count in the summer related to the heat and, and how do we overcome that? Yeah, I think if you look at DHI or talk to the creameries, you know the somatic cell count invariably goes up during the summer. And I think that really is important. Kim had talked earlier about sprinklers. We want to try and make sure that that water is not blowing into the beds where they're lying, especially if you're using organic bedding sources. Sand, it might not quite be too bad. You got to make sure the people in the parlor are really good. You've got to make sure, ideally, if you're sprinkling in the holding area, um, you know, I don't know how you present prevent this if it falls straight down, but try to keep uh, any spraying water off the udders. And, you know, we all have been emphasized for years and years how we need to milk treat clean, dry udders. Well, it's pretty hard when you've got water dripping down on the udders. So I, I think try and minimize the amount of water and risk. And of course, make sure you get your vaccination, especially your E. coli vaccines in shape, because this is a time we're going to tend to have a lot more of those uh, nasty mastitis cases with the gram-negative bacteria. I think going back to one of Kim's first comments, getting the right amount of water on those cows, especially in the holding pen, is vital at this point. We want them to cool, but like Jim says, we sure don't want that udder soaked. And, you know, we still have to be aware of hygiene in the parlor, milking clean, dry udders. That's a great comment. 
And some people will comment um, that they can't use, they choose not to, or they can't use water out in the pens because their manure system, the most common one is the manure system really can't handle that much extra water. But I think one way to kind of cool our cows is holding areas for sure. Of course, that's the hottest space on the barn. If you don't believe me, go out in the whole middle of a holding pen when you've got cows in there. And then also an option you would have is to, when they exit the exit lane, you know, you can spray them down there. But again, as we've just been talking, make sure you don't spray that udder. You've just put disinfectant teat dip on there, and now we're going to wash that off. And remember, it takes probably an hour or so for that teat end to really close up well. So I think when you start using it in holding areas, water, a lot of water in holding areas and return lanes, just be real cognizant of where that water is going and where it ends up. How do we reduce heat stress in heifers? Because we know if calves are going to be heat stressed and that impacts their lactations, heifers are going to be heat stressed as well. And so how do we reduce heat stress with any heifers in open lots or just heifers overall? It's a good question. You know, we don't have a lot in open lots up here in Minnesota, but I think kind of the same things apply. They're probably not going to get heat stressed as early as a lactating cow, but I think obviously the most logical thing is to provide shade. And I think that's something you can do in open lots. And so make sure if you have not done that, consider some shade cloth or, you know, to me, that's probably the most logical way. If you've got heifers that are in the open, it's a little bit more of a challenge if they're in pasture, but ideally someplace in that pasture during the heat of the day, they can get under some shade so they don't get, so they don't get really hot. And then of course they'll graze when it's in the evening or early morning when it's a little bit cooler. The other thing that's really not to do with heat, but it sure causes a lot of stress on animals or fly control. Um, if you're out there, again, it has nothing to do with heat, but it sure adds to the heat load when they're stomping around. So let's not forget that if we've got them in open lots or in barns to think about a good strategy to control flies to prevent bunching, because I think flies are one of the items, a lot of flies that cause bunching. And of course, then those animals are all packed together and that increases the heat load, especially those cows that are in the middle of that group. We've got to remember that stress is cumulative, so they can have heat stress, they can have stress from health issues and, and fly stress, and, and it just keeps building on them. You know, talking about flies, you know, it comes down every time to hygiene in their environment. Keeping the bunk area where all the overflow goes and they stand a lot, you know, if it's organic and wet, it's a perfect breeding ground for flies. Yeah, a lot of this stuff, especially fly control, just boils down to a lot of elbow grease and it's hard. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and talk smart. I can hardly keep my own lawn mowed, but it's it's really hard to keep all your flea feed cleaned up. Uh, just keep your manure all cleaned up, but the, those breeding grounds for flies, um, and not that labor's in excess on farms, but a lot of this isn't, you know, it's not a lot of rocket science, but it does take a lot of time and a lot of work to do it and to really do a nice job of it. And it's vital. I think that's where every fly control program has to start, is eliminating that breeding ground. Because I can kill 90% of the flies with the sprayer, but tomorrow you won't hardly notice it if you've got a breeding ground where they're maturing and out. And so it, it starts with good hygiene. Fred or Kim, are there anything really creative or unique that you've seen on farms that our people are doing for heat stress or any kind of getting ready for summer that you think, wow, this is really a neat idea that, you know, more farms should really consider adopting. One of our big herds uh, 
two years ago, built a barn and he put his uh, calf stalls in that barn. And the intent was in the mud and cold, the workers would be happier. But uh, in the last summer, he commented that, boy, my calves did better this summer than they'd ever done. And as we visited, you're looking around, the calves are in the shade. It's easier to clean because there wasn't mud being tracked. They could drive through with the tractor and fresh water. Uh, It was kind of apparent that summer was where he was getting a lot of loss. Same thing here, Fred. As I think of our our farms, any farm that has their calves in an indoor barn and has that airflow going through, there's no flies, the calves are comfortable, they're dry, it's nice and cool in there. I think of our robot farms, our milking robot farms that have their calves in the barn as well. Man, those calves are, they're growing great. Um, I'd be curious to see, our, our robot barns are newer, but I'd be curious to see how that lactation of those calves that were born in the robot barn and have improved or changed compared to calves that are outside and then enter a barn. But between robot barns and automatic calf feeders in the barns, they do well, they're dry. You know, we'd spend a lot of time talking about fly control and that pretty significant. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of anything that our farms have done really unique, the, the well-managed farms, other than I will say that they do a nice job of keeping the fans on on these still nights in the summer where it's huge heat, where it's very humid, but it's really cool. And so these nights where maybe gets down to the 60s, low 60s, or maybe even upper 50s, they'll tend to even keep those fans on during that period of time. And I think data will show that these cows' temperatures keep rising. Even after the sun goes down, it begins to cool off. And um, I think it's important to remember our nights tend to get a lot more humid. And so uh, if I had another word of wisdom to people is I would, even when I go in these barns and it's cool, if I go in those barns at night and it's 58 or 59 degrees and all those fans are running, I'm freezing. I'm thinking, where is a jacket? But I think we really got to understand that these cows have a very different thermal neutral zone than I do. And so let's not forget, I, I think sometimes the best is to turn those fans on, you know, when it starts getting warm and just leave them on unless you've got a really good reason to shut them off. So when those nights cool down, just keep those fans on and keep those cows cool. Kim, any other final words of wisdom? Uh, Yep, final comments. Um, Don't forget the signs and symptoms of heat stress. Usually if we see these, we need to take action right away, but panting is a good sign of heat stress. Open mouth on the animals, the calves, heifers, cows. Decreased feed intake is pretty significant and also reduced activity level. So uh, in the calves, lactating cows, heifers, all signs and symptoms of heat stress that we need to pay attention to. Animals don't sweat like we do. They don't turn red. We don't notice the redness. And so paying attention to those signs and symptoms, can uh, we can take action right away and, and get those animals cooled down. And I'll add, you know, we've talked about heat abatement. Uh, 
and we all know this deep in our head, but they have to have some increased water consumption, which goes back, walk by that water tank or trough, make sure that the water's clean and working, that it's filled to the proper level, um, because we know as the temperatures go up, they're going to consume more water. That's a good point. And water, you know, it doesn't freeze in the summer, so it's really easy to deal with water. Put it in return lanes, alley lanes, put water everywhere. Make sure there's plenty of water there, too, that they don't drink it empty. Those water is empty. And same for our baby calves. Make sure that exactly. they get water. Uh, this isn't the time to, to say, well, we can do it tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on another episode of I-29 Moo University Dairy Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you now.